0: And now, a special high witness report from the field. Uncle Weed, Uncle Weed. This is the home office. Are you there? Are you there? Do you read me? Calling Uncle Weed. Calling Uncle Weed. Calling Uncle Weed. Do you read me?
1: Look at that, nice brown suds. You didn't get too much of that in Iraq.
2: In fact, I didn't get any at all. <laughs> well, let's get to that. So after you left Iraq, um, you had an opportunity to go do some more reconstruction work. I mean, I, I guess Iraq sort of whetted your appetite in a lot of ways to go do something meaningful and, and see where you could effectuate positive change. You ended up in the Philippine Islands. What was the mission you were on there? Oh, the Philippines was fantastic. Um, while I was in Iraq... Um,
1: I kind of logged into my work email back at my normal job in Yokosuka, Japan, and there's a email that came out from our operations officer saying that we're looking for people to volunteer to come forward to support this. It's called Pacific Partnership, and it's basically a USS Pelu Is a USS Pelelu. Yeah,
2: the Pelu oh, yeah. for named after the uh, island in the Palau. Yeah, yeah. Well, as a side note here, it's it's. Uh Actually, I'm just. I'm not going to give you a side note. I'm going to give you a whole episode down the road. Someone remind me to, to give you an episode all about the island of Peleliu, Palau. Yeah. Go on.
1: A lot of history there. Anyways, ship. It's uh, it's a flat deck, so it's like it's like an aircraft carrier, but it's designed to have uh, like the large size helicopters, the MH, um. MH class helicopters. And uh, I I guess the British versions would have like Harrier jets, but it's um, it's a platform designed to carry, um, um, I guess, marines and uh, they would have their landing craft in kind of in the bowels of the ship. And they have what's called LCACs, which are kind of like these little, um, I guess these boats that carry equipment ashore and uh, they can land on beaches. And they kind of open up their front and the equipment to drive off. That's kind of like the platform, this uh, this uh, Peluk support, it's an LHD class, if you know anything about Navy ships, LHD. And uh, basically, instead of carrying Marines this time, they're carrying uh, non-government organizations, uh, medical staff, and then they carried also um, a group of CBs, CBs being the uh, construction battalions for the U.S. Navy um, formed in World War II. Um, did a lot of work in um, the uh, islands leading up to um, in the Philippines uh, the the, the um, South Pacific and the job was to go and do reconstruction projects or not reconstruction so much as kind of humanitarian missions in the Philippines and they the, the Pelu did a route stopped first in the Philippines and it went to Vietnam and it was the largest U.S. presence in Vietnam since the Vietnam War, incidentally. Then it went to uh, Papua New Guinea.
2: Then it went to the Marshalls and the Solomon Islands. Oh, yeah. And And the Marshalls and Solomons are some really remote uh, island chains down in the South Pacific. Very
1: remote, very remote. And along the way, they also stopped at Kosrae and some of the islands there in the Guam, you know, the Guam area. Um, They stopped in Saipan. My job was to go to Philippines. I was on the ground for six months by myself. Basically planning projects so that whenever these construction battalions came ashore, they could get right to work. And uh, I was in Iraq when I saw this notice come out looking for volunteers. Um, the minute I read it, I didn't even finish reading the email. I replied back, "Yeah, sign me up." My boss calls me back. He's like, "He's like, yeah, you are in Iraq right now. You know, you've been there for six months. You're coming home. This thing kicks off like you know, six weeks after you get back from Iraq." You know what about your family and all stuff? I said no, no. This is this is what I want to do. <laughs> so I did that. I agreed to go, and then I told my wife about it. So that's <laughs> kind of how it worked out. I ended up um, um, going to the uh, going to the Philippines for about
2: a month and a half before the Seabees arrived. And they'd had a bunch of tornadoes or hurricanes or typhoons, rather, in that area of, of, at that time, hadn't they? Yeah,
1: two super typhoons. Uh, the Mount... My own volcano is in the Bicol region, of the Philippines, which is, um, if you look in the Philippines, it's basically divided into three main regions. There's the Luzon Island, which is the main island where Manila is. Um, just kind of, uh, draw like a diamond with your, with your uh, thumb and, and forefinger and, um, where your thumbs meet, that's kind of Manila. And down at the bottom of the whole diamond, that's kind of where I was in the Bicol region. Below that, of course, is the Cebu area, the Visayas Islands, and then below that is Mindanao. Um, So I was up there in the top island, but in the southern part of that top island, in Bicol. They had uh, two super typhoons, uh, like I said, um, volcanic eruption from Mount Mayon, and then landslides. And so whole villages were buried by these landslides since they had it all within the space. Back when I arrived there, the guy told me, he says, yeah, we've had every disaster here in the last year except
2: for a blizzard, an avalanche. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, and you wouldn't expect a blizzard in the Philippines anytime soon.
1: No. So basically, so- I went around, and, and, I, and my job was to look for projects, and then once I found the project, I identified them, um, identified bill of materials, and then I go back up to Manila, work with the, uh, they have a small kind of a Navy supply um, outreach corps up there, uh, work with them to secure the materials or to you know um, contract out um, provisioning these projects, and kind of be there on site to be the
2: liaison for whenever the CBs
1: arrive. So. Uh,
2: and this was things like schools and hospitals and community centers and that sort of thing. Um,
1: four projects we ended up taking on, uh, four main ones and. And, uh, the projects were, um, one of them. See, the thing is with this thing is you, the CBs are, um, in case you've never heard of them, you know, if you hear this, this podcast and you go, go ahead and Google up CBs and kind of find out what they do, because these are really amazing young people. Um, they, um, of course they're, they're, they're U S Navy. They wear the uniforms. They learn how to shoot, you know, weapons and, and do all that kind of stuff. But, their main focus is to go out and do construction work in areas where they may need to de- defend themselves So, they're, you name a country in the world right now where there's something going on there's probably CB's there doing construction work right now, big presence in Africa um, doing humanitarian um, they're the ones that went and built a lot of the initial camps in Iraq for the Marines um, Afghanistan they were the ones that built the first airfield in Afghanistan that allowed US planes to come in and and deliver supplies um, the CBs are in the Bahamas right now. They're in Romania, um, Eastern Europe. Um, they're in Southeast Asia. they're're they're, you could probably name a time zone. there's probably a CB in there doing
2: work. Um, they're really amazing young people. And uh, well I bet you there's a CB listening to this podcast too. and, and it is you know it, it is re- remarkable because um, so much of the time we think about the soldiers, and the people that are there in the war zones, and we think uh, associate the people who are involved in the military with the policies that effectuate the military, but there's a lot of people that are really there geared towards doing good things and spread all over the world, teaching people, and doing these reconstruction projects. So it is a little bit of a conundrum to sort out from your initial impressions of the military, for sure.
1: Mm, Absolutely.
2: Um,
1: um, The the projects I identified were... um, well, there's five originally. And we end up with four. Um, there's one where we're going to go in and replace the roof of a hospital. This hospital had been um, the typhoon had blown the whole entire roof off, and all of their emergency room and all the all those areas were on the second floor of this hospital. And we're going to replace the roof for them. Well, it comes to find out that that project had already been funded by the national government, but uh, you know. No one bothered to alert us to that until the last <laughs> minute. So I think what they were expecting was the CBs were gonna arrive and fix the roof for them and then they were gonna get their paycheck from the feder- from the national the Philippine national government to fix it and already it already been fixed, they could pocket it. So, you know, once I found out and they gotta be careful of that kind of stuff because you're there to help the people and you can sometimes it, you, you think you're out there doing the best and you find out that you're kind of being used for these purposes. So we ended up um, Doing an alternate hospital, um, and the hospital basically amounted to it was this really rundown old hospital, and we um, went in there and did a whole paint job inside and out, um, and uh, and you know paint sounds maybe superficial, but it really kind of made the whole area more cheerful. You know, you have all these people who are in there and walk in this place and look like a kind of a worn out old building, and these people are in there. You know, recovering from various illnesses and diseases, and and we, so it had the effect of making the place more cheerful. We also built some walls in there um, where walls had kind of crumbled down, or and so it kind of separated, you know, contagious disease patients from the other patients. Mm-hmm. um... And then just little things like, for example, we put up mosquito screen throughout the whole building. Not big deal. Well. In an area where there's cases of malaria, yeah, I would say so.
0: Now I have drifted along like a stick in a ditch, a ditch dirty with denial and decay. Where the waters flow, God only knows, and what God knows, I just can't see. Just like a long haul trucker without any brakes, I must be very careful, there can't be any mistake. Times like these can be so hard to take But you take them all that break you And that'll be your fate You roll it all, roll it over again Roll it over till you break from your restraints Where a heart will bleed to the hardest free by the epiphany of the saints The epiphany of the saints Monsters here. I told you twice before. Said you were listening, but we know that isn't true. If I know enemies, if you don't want it to be, well the plotline is completely up to you. We are the authors of a mysterious tale. The pendulum, the carpenter, the thief. You're sick and every second here, it is so rare and dear And built upon your tiniest beliefs you must roll it all, roll it over again Until the governor changed the execution date Where tears will fall when you hear the call Of the Epiphany of the Saints The Epiphany of the Saints Of the saints the Epiphany of the saints the epiphany of
2: the Sea so now, meanwhile, back home in California, away from the Philippines and away from Iraq and away from all these other areas of conflict, I can't help but notice both a sense of like Wishing to be wanting to do something else, kind of exciting like that, but also comfort level of being back and being able to go eat the foods that you want to eat and go hike in the mountains where you can be safe and that sort of thing. Is it a bit of a conflict for you?
1: Oh, absolutely. I kind of yeah. A lot of those experiences, you kind of um, you spend a lot of time thinking about what you did there. Um, You kind of realize the awesome opportunities you had and kind of think about what you could have done more
2: mm-hmm.
1: especially the Philippines you know I had this amazing opportunity and and although I think I made the most of it you always think about what you could have done more and it's, it's such like a different it's such a change from everyday life that um... Yeah, it, Cause you to kind of, um, in times of when you're kind of bored, when work is slow, you kind of like thinking back those days of being uh, being totally responsible for making so many important decisions. Kind of wishing you were back. I think the most remarkable thing about the, the military is, this, just for example, I mean, I... I'm not a I'm not a military person, i I'm, I'm not a Navy person that serves on an aircraft carrier, but the average age of an aircraft carrier is something like twenty, twenty-one years old. And you think about all these young people who are just kind of going out in the world and they're kind of given responsibility for such an awesome piece of equipment. And it's the same type of thing. go about the Philippines? I'm like the one engineer that's in charge of all the decision making for not only the engineering projects, but also community relations projects, um, kind of uh, measuring out helicopter landing areas, um, um, landing areas for the LCAC, for the different types of um, uh, landing craft that we had coming from the, uh, from the USS Peleliu. And uh, you know, they say, you know, can we do this? And you have to come up with an answer. Kind of an awesome sense of responsibility. You know the private sector. You know, oh, I'm not sure if we can do that. I have to ask my vice president. Mm-hmm. Here, it's like you're the you're you're the one. Can we do it? Yes, no. <laughs> Answer please. And you know, it's like you know, you talk about power, and you know, power has kind of a negative con connotation in some ways, but um, kind of you're kind of humbled by the power, and you kind of wow. I mean, I've been been out of engineering school for only a few years and asking me to make these decisions. And I didn't even study this stuff in engineering school.
2: (laughs) Kind of awesome. And now as you ramble through the hills and think about what's next for you, what is it that you think about? Think about?
0: Hmm.
1: Just think you know, it's um you know a lot of these opportunities they don't come in the form of orders. a lot of times you have to kind of be sensitive of what's going on and be there at the right place, the right time to volunteer for these, all these opportunities so it's kind of there ever ever have a chance to go out and do anything like that
2: again I'm, I'll be the first to raise my hand <laughs> and head out towards the mountains and rivers without end, no matter what continent they are. The natural disasters. Whether it's blizzard, landslide, tornado, volcano, typhoon, or hurricane, ah, they can show up in your place. There's nowhere immune from it. So you have to sort of prepare yourself and humble yourself to know that wherever you go, you may at one day need help. And at one time in your life, you may be asked to give a little help. And so it goes, and so it goes. Lieutenant Magnum, thanks for coming and sharing your thoughts.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Uncle Weed. Thank you.